Hey folks, Scott here, just jumping on to let you know that we're now on Twitter, at NotSeenPod. Get on there, give us a follow, we'll be letting you know which films we'll be watching each week. We'd also love to know what you think of the films that we've been talking about, so just get us on there, at NotSeenPod on Twitter, and check out this week's episode. Welcome to the Shit You May Not Have Seen podcast, where we talk about films that you may not have seen. I'm Scott. I'm Joe. So, what were you watching this week, Joe? We're watching Barbarian Sound Studio. Excuse me, do you speak? No. A new world of sound awaits you. A new world that requires all your magic powers. Oh, grazie. Grazie, man. <laughs> I didn't quite know I'd be working on this sort of film. What did you expect? What's he doing to her? <laughs> I've never worked on a horror film before. Horror film? This is a Santini film. Don't call my film horror again. This is going to be a fantastic film. Brutal and honest. Nagra 4D tape recorder. I try my best to do my work, and it's never good enough. Do what I tell you. Am I clear? I'm just a whore to them. I feel so dirty and cheap. This was your first time seeing this yep. one, Joe? Uh, Absolutely. I think it was my second time seeing it. I've seen it when it came out, but I've watched it twice again, kind of in prep for this. So just to clue people in, uh, Barbarian Sound Studio, made in 2012. It was director Peter Strickland's second feature film, and it got a bit, got a bit of good chat and stuff when it came out. Stars Toby Jones, who folk will know for things like Jurassic World, The Hunger Games, Harry Potter, and he's in The Mist as well. Ah, right, like okay. the shopkeeper in The Mist. And then there's a bunch of Italian actors who we probably don't really know. And Antonio Mancino, who plays Giancarlo Santini, he has been in other stuff. So he was in a thing called Artemis Fowl, which was like a, an adaptation of a young adult mo- novel that came out a few years ago. Ah, right, okay. He's also in a Fast and Furious movie, but it's like a tiny part he's got. Right, right. Another guy called Cosimo Fusco plays Francesco Coraggio. He was in Angels and Demons, you know, the oh, Dan, the, Dan Brown, the Dan Brown yeah, the adaptation. He, he plays a priest in that. Right. He, he was in TV show called Alias. You remember that? Aye, I uh, do remember that. Like, aye. Here's the thing that most folk are known for. And I was like, oh, aye, that guy. Uh, you know, friends. No, aye. No, Rachel has a, an Italian hunky boyfriend. 
at one vaguely, point. Vaguely, vaguely. Uh, he, he, he was him, he was Paolo. Uh, Paolo, the hunky boyfriend. The name, actually, now that you mention uh, it, rings, rings a bell, actually. Aye. So I was looking at his IMDb and I was like, oh, no way, it's, that, it's Paolo. So uh, he's that guy. I kind of recognised him. Right. That, that's what it was for. And then we've got uh, Fatima Mohammed who plays Sylvia. She's not really been much. She was in other Peter Strickland films that came after Berberian Sound, right. Berberian Sound Studio. And Fabric came out a, a couple of years ago and got a bit of a good chat about it. Uh, Flux Gourmet and one called The Duke of Burgundy. Uh, Eugenia Caruso, who plays Claudia. Um, she's also popped up in other films. He seems to have brought back some of the same cast for his other films. And then... Kiara Diana, who plays Elisa, she's also pops up in Duke of Burgundy in a sci-fi film for 2016 called Native. Never seen it. it looks kind of interesting. Aye, so Peter Strickland, he directed this. He made it as a short film a few years before, like in 2005. Right. And then it obviously decided he wanted to adapt it into a feature. I mean, I, I knew nothing of this at all. This was completely your idea to do it, you know what I mean? Even with the title as well, I thought this doesn't sound like a fucking horror film, although it isn't obviously a horror movie or whatever, but I was kind of interesting and I'll, I'll be honest, folks, to anybody that's listening to this, I don't normally watch movies, um, you know, being an ignoramus and stuff, I don't normally watch movies with subtitles just because I'm a lazy bastard and I know I'm probably missing out on loads of great films that have subtitles, but um, I so it was kind of... I really had to focus what you're watching this, do you know what I mean? Because it's like, I have to immerse myself in actually reading and looking at it, <laughs> which for I mean, a Scotsman's hard. kind of minimal, is it kind of mixes and subtitles because it's, it's, it's Aye, essentially it English language, but there's chunks of Italian in it yep, as well. that's true. I'll just, I'll give you a bit of the synopsis just so people are clued up on what the film's about. It's about a guy called Gilderoy, played by Toby Jones, who plays a, what, what you'd call now is a, a dubbing mixer or a, a recording mixer. Uh, for for films, uh, and he's brought into this studio in Italy to work on a horror film, but he doesn't know it's a horror film. He's just right. expecting something else, and it's basically just about him and his interaction with the, the people who run this studio and the the madness that ensues from there. Aye, well, just delving straight into it, I suppose. Aye, this this was um, oh, the, ju- the, just to. See, as we usually do, we're spoilers. going to be spoiling this film. So if you've not seen it, go watch it and then come back. Absolutely, and aye. we will spoil it. So too don't, don't get upset. I don't get upset. It was obviously I put it on um, last night, quite late on and stuff like that. You know, I was like, right, I'm going to really give this film the full attention and stuff like that. I'll be honest, you know, on the first watch, I was kind of like, I kind of get the premise. Like, it starts off, you know, the the guy, the main character, what's his name? Gil Gildard. Gildroy. Uh, Gildroy. Sorry, Gildroy. You get the impression right off the bat that. He's been asked to come and do the, the, basically the sound effects for this for this movie, the overdubs and stuff, because he's, I'd imagine he's he's well respected. That's kind of how it sets it up. I'm pretty much yep. thinking there. Yep. And um, you know, when he gets there, instantly everybody just kind of feels like as if like, why is this guy here? It's yeah. like everybody's really confrontational. It's His almost, first interaction with the receptionist at the place, and she just doesn't want to talk to him at no, all. No, because he asks her if she speaks English, and she's like, no. And then she just starts talking to him. Ah, she talks uh, yeah. to him like she like he's like a piece of shit in her shoe sort of thing. Yeah. So right away, I'm like, right, this is kind of a weird start to the film kind of thing. And I think the, the kind of vibe of the movie, obviously we'll go back we'll go back and talk about it more in depth and stuff like that, but I found it really hard. I don't know about you, you know, me and you are spoilers again, me and Scott haven't spoken about this yet. I found it really, really difficult to grasp onto anything while watching this. Like it was, uh, do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. It was quite, um, it was very style, it, it looked 
cool. I thought, you know, at the start, you know, it, was, I thought, it looked, looked, it looked smart. Yeah. And I think that the, the, the sound design was fucking brilliant. It would need to be considering it's considering about, what it's about. People doing sound Aye. Uh, for and, films. And it was really cool. So that, there was an element of that when I was watching it that I enjoyed, you know what I mean? But I, I found it really hard to connect right. with any of the characters in this. I don't know about you, but I just, it was like everybody, like we were saying earlier, everybody's really confrontational in it to him. Aye. And it's like, so right away, you're just like, why did they ask this guy to come and yeah. then treat him like he's a piece of shit? And then uh, it was just, uh, it was uh, for me, it was a really cold watch. Aye. Like really cold, but not in a good way for me. Was, you right. know what I mean? I was okay. kind of I was kinda like, I was looking for something to really kind of grasp onto in the story. And I'll be honest, I'm still, after two watches, thinking, right, what the fuck, what is this actually about? And I, I don't know about you, man, but to me, it kind of, I think... It's about him. Is he imagining this this scenario? See, yeah, I can. I, I didn't get that the first time I watched it, but on the rewatches right. now, I can. I can. I started thinking: Is is this is this a dream? Is this is yeah. he imagining this stuff? Is it is he on his? Because the idea is that he's got a wee shed in England where he usually does his work, and then he's been brought out to this studio by the director of this film. That's right. And so I, I that kind of there's wee things that happen through throughout the film that made me think: Oh, is this maybe a dream? Because there's like uh, there's. The editing is really good in this film as well, I thought, because the transitions between scenes is interesting. He'll, he'll, like, he'll go to write a letter, and then as he's writing the letter, it'll cut to you see his hands, and then it will reveal that he's actually in the studio doing something. So yeah. there's like weird time shifts in it, I, which made me think it was maybe a dream as well. There was a lot of that in it. Yeah. There was a lot of... It was quite disorientating. I, I found the whole movie really disorientating. Like right. I, I, That's what I was saying. I, I couldn't really... I, I couldn't grasp onto anything. I feel like that's intentional. Because oh, definitely, aye. putting the dream thing aside, if it's real life, so to speak, mm -hmm. he's like an outsider coming into this community of people that already know each other. Yep. And obviously they're all being really hostile to him. So the character Gilderoy tends to get a bit disorientated by it all because obviously they're speaking Italian isn't his yep. language. They're they're all speaking Italian. Mm -hmm. And anytime they switch into Italian, you can kind of see him being like what they saying about say me? They, I they paranoia and stuff and things Aye, like that. Absolutely. So I, I feel like that was probably an intentional sort of yep. thing to try and elicit for the people who are viewing it. Oh, it definitely worked because that's exactly what yeah. I was thinking. I was like, this is really, I'm fucking struggling here to really, you know, and, you know, I'm like yourself, man, you know, I watch a lot of films, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, I, I can handle a, a kind of complex, if you like, storyline, do you know yeah. what I mean? But for me, it was like, I, I found it really difficult to just kind of grasp onto a storyline. To me, it kind of felt like a lot of random, that's again, playing into the dream thing that this is what I'm thinking possibly what the film is rather than reality because a dream is like that. Yeah. It cuts, you know, you, you don't remember, you don't ever remember a dream starting or yeah. when there's a shift in your dream, you just know that it's happened. Because yeah, he, he does just kind of appear there as well. You know, it's like, because yeah. the first, it starts with the projector kind of running up. That's right. And then he sort of, he sort of comes out of the light kind of into the, the corridor that we first see him in that's right um, so we don't actually and then there's the whole the whole thing where when he's trying to get his money back for his flight and the, like, the flight didn't exist uh, that's right you, know, uh, you find out that's right, right. Yep. but also that transition thing that I was talking about where he'll be in his apartment and then there'll be some kind of cut that makes you think you're still in his apartment but then he's at the studio 
Absolutely. You know, it's, so it's quite disjointed in that sense. There's no like, there is a linear through line that you can see, but it's very disjointed in the way it's structured to I get there. It's, de- it's designed to trick you up, trip oh, you totally, up yeah. and, and, and put you in the back foot. And yeah. so you don't know where is he, what he's doing at specific times. Yeah. There's, a lot, there's a lot of things that I think will try to be, I take it they'll try to be subliminal. Or, or no subliminal, subliminal is not the right word, but... I think there was stuff that was in it when I think back on it. It would show you the, the chart basically of the sounds mm-hmm. that he has to record and stuff like that. And there seemed to be a lot of emphasis on that. Yeah. And I've watched it twice and I'm still like thinking, right, why the fuck is there so much attention? Do you know what I mean? Why is there so much attention yeah. paid to that? And and there's also scenes um, where it cuts to the red light saying silence. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm trying, you know, and I've got a pretty active imagination. I can usually try and string a crazy kind of theory in my head together on why this is happening and I'm still quite fucking dumbfounded I mean I'm, I'm interested to see uh, what, what you what you think of that because I mean, uh, there's also the idea that I mean I'm not mad like knowledgeable in Italian cinema but I was getting the vibe that it was a bit of a homage to like Sadari Argento Jalo Ab- Jalo cinema I, yeah. yeah absolutely I, and especially with the, the every time that they're asked to do a take again it cuts to the, a, an un you don't see the person, but you see a, a leather-handed glove yeah. operating the, the machinery, the yeah. basically the tape machine, and that's very Dario Argento. Aye. The hand, you just yeah. see the hand coming in, you know. So but those those films are always the ones I've seen anyway that kind of fall into that Jalo cinema. Very idea. dreamlike. They, they're, they're very dreamlike. And they're, they're kind of disjointed, and bits of them don't make any sense. They don't. And, they don't. And that's that's clearly what. Peter Strickland was going for. I mean, it was clearly a homage to those films. Oh, you know? I, I, I mean, it was set in the period, and obviously, it's about one of those films that they're, they're making. That's in a the good film, that's the film, a, in the film. That's you know? a really good point, actually, because that I and that's another thing that was quite interesting as well. You never ever see what they're. You never watching. see the film. That you never making. see the movie. You, you see, just you see, see their the reaction. Yep. You see the credits. And that's the other thing about it. So there's no not any actual credits for Barbarian Sound Studio but where the credits would be we see the credits for the film that they're making in the film that's right uh, so the film's called the film in the film is called Equestrian Vortex right and again like that doesn't make any sense to the no. film that they're making in the film aye because it seems to be about like well yeah, that, well that's, that's the kind of that, the, the joke I guess and it's Toby, Toby Jones character uh, Gilroy thinks he's going to make a film about horses and then it's like this mad witch hunt film that they're making. Aye, exactly. It's like that. That actually, you've opened my eyes. Definitely, it's definitely, I think, supposed to be a dream, right? Because I didn't come to that until I watched but, it but, today. But like, if I watched it again aye. today, and I was like, it was the disjointed thing that I went. Aye. And then there's the stuff that happens towards the end of the film when yep. it gets a bit more weird and Arty. like he wakes up and goes to a door and he goes into the door and then he's in the studio, but he's watching himself. In on the, the, in on the, the screen, on in the, the screen, movie. in the movie, doing the stuff that he'd just done minutes yep. before, but he's also speaking Italian. I see. I found that very David Lynch as well. Yeah, totally. Aye, I, 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 that, that, there was there was David Lynch stuff in this. I thought, like, say that, you know, very Lost Highway. Yeah, you know, what I mean, if you've obviously you've seen that, yeah. and uh, that may, aye, that's a good point. So I, I would figure that it's probably some sort of weird disjointed dream and obviously the Dario Gento stuff 100% yeah, yeah. that's all very dreamlike and then you've got the leather glove thing that again just you never see the who's got the, the hand it's mm-hmm. just operating the machinery I I mean it is I don't know about you but so obviously you know it starts to get more arty as the film can, it breaks down even more it kind of has a linear like you were saying for the fir- maybe three quarters of the film you can kind of follow it but there's a point where like you were talking about there where he goes into the door he sees himself on the screen and then the film flips completely and everything in Italian even yeah, his character's in Italian and he's voiced by somebody else that's not 
Aye. Toby, Toby Jones is doing that dialogue. It's, it's, it's like somebody, it's like being dubbed. Aye, for, the, for, for then on, it's it's an Italian and he's mm. even dubbed like you're saying. And then there's the whole, the bit at the end where he, you know, the screen and the lights go out in the studio and he's in with the candles and then he looks at the screen and there's a little white dot and it keeps getting bigger in the screen. And then, I, I thought that was maybe him dying. You know, people see, say I, the I thought tunnel. That maybe as well, like he was kind of having some kind of weird death kind of, I, hallucination or something aye see that's, that's what I got you know yeah. people say I talk about seeing yeah, like a tunnel yeah. a light at the end of the tunnel but I mean there were, there were so there were, there were so many kind of things in this that kind of set a thing up but then didn't resolve but obviously like you were saying it was probably deliberate mm. it being a dream nothing resolves in a yeah. dream anyway yeah. there was a kind of under I don't know how you feel about this but for me there was a kind of underlying thing of exploitation of women oh yeah absolutely in, in the film industry as well well I mean the character Sylvia is she is abused by yep by the director and has brought up in the film and then she goes off and when she ends up leaving the film and they bring another woman and she is then abused by ah, him you as see. well yep yep yeah, so. so there's a kind of underlying although it's a dream there's a, there's almost like a kind of obviously all the Harvey Weinstein stuff you know everybody you know it's into movies will know what's happening with that you know all these girls that came that, out that idea that the, the producer is or director is like oh you do me a favour I'll, you know, I'll do you a favour I'll do you a favour yep exactly yep. so I think there's there's definitely that has definitely been an underlying thing in it, 100%, yeah. because like you're saying, the character, the, the first girl that plays, the, is it Teresa? That's the, that's the actual character she's played, she's doing the voice for in the movie, it's Teresa. So, she's doing the voice of the Teresa <laughs> in the, getting, the film, in the film, but yeah. her name, so that's Fatma Muhammad, her name is Sylvia. Sylvia. And Barbarian Sound Studio, who yep. plays Teresa in Equestrian Vortex. <laughs> Aye, this is where it starts to get difficult. Um, and obviously, you know, she she's like, to Toby Jones does that in the film as well. He calls her by her character name and she corrects him. She's like, uh, that's oh, right. Teresa is on there, Sylvia is out here. That's, and that's right. Like, oh, right. And that kind of shows, to me, that shows there's a complete disconnect from what he thinks of her as a person. Mm. He's not even seen her well, as, they, a, as they a real person. They kind of have a rapport though, Gilderoy and her. They, like, they do, and so it's the only person in it that shows him any sort of affection. She's the first person that's kind of nice to him and when he first arrives and speaks to him like any, a, any kind of kindness like a human being yeah. basically that was a, a big strong undercurrent definitely and which again kind of goes with the girls cinema thing exactly that, that was kind of seen as exploitation, exploitation of women women yeah. 100% so is it in a weird way is is it kind of exposing Daddy Wargento for exploiting women I don't, I don't know I, th I, I, I get the impression Peter Strickland was a fan that style of maybe, cinema maybe, maybe it's both maybe he maybe sees it for that but he is still a fan of, of Aye. It. I mean it's set in the 70s as well so it has a yep. kind of 70s look to it and just uh, the way it's shot it looks very much like one of those films it does especially when it, you know you get the scenes in it where there's a lot of kind of trickery especially the parts where there's a bit in the booth so girls are doing the voiceovers and there's a lot of bits where there's close-ups of women's faces screaming that yeah. is very Dario Argento like mm. very you know it's all about the terror there's, in their face and there's their... A, a shot in it where um, Sylvia goes into one of the booths she's been to see uh, Gilderoy and she says uh, oh I'd like to go in and scream and he's like oh I'll roll up the tape and she's like no I don't I just want to scream Absolutely. and she goes in and she screams in the shot it's like she's in a, a void and, and she's, you just see the light of the booth and she starts screaming and then it pulls back and like she, she is in a void basically. she is in a void yeah. uh, it's like it's, it's like nah, that was very kind of Argento, Argento sort of vibe, yeah. uh, 100% and that whole part the void thing 
I suppose that was kind of cool because it gives that sort of idea that she's kind of sick because he's kind of abusing her. She's in a void, like she's like, Aye. you know, she feels like she's completely isolated yep. because people that have been abused in any way probably feel that way, you know. What yeah, I mean? And I mean, especially if, if it's an actor and they feel like they've got that part because of the things they did with the director, then Absolutely. they feel like they need to keep quiet about it, otherwise, so they might get fired and stuff. And they know? feel yeah. probably shame and isolated yeah, in, their, yeah, yeah. in their own mind, sort yeah. of thing. So, I think there's a lot of cool stuff, you know, visual stuff that represented feelings of characters. Mm. Like that, for example, you know the the part where they bring in there's a part in the film where they bring in a woman just to do a specific. I think it's just the screams oh, that she, she's brought in to do. She, she plays a witch. Is it the, she the, plays the a older, witch. older lady. Aye, know? and that bit was fucking terrifying, man. That part she starts screaming, but it's so harrowing. Yeah, this way she's screaming yep. in it, and there's a bit where it cuts to her face as well, sort of similar to the part we were just talking about. Ah, that's right. And yeah. she looks fucking demented yeah. and I was like 100% Argento and very David Lynch Aye, as well man. you know that's, I think for me thinking back on this movie I can see a pull between both of those yeah. directors there definitely to counter that as well there's also comedic parts I found that there are is. similar things there's the guy that comes in to play the, the goblin Ah, he and was his, funny. Ah, and, no, I, I don't I wrote, think it was meant to be intentionally I, I, funny, I right down, enough. I wrote down what they called the goblin character because I thought it was hilarious. The dangerously aroused goblin. Ah, that's right, aye. And that guy looks kind of funny as well. He's got that wee moustache and the glasses. And then he starts right. doing all these mad noises and stuff. And ah, so, so there is like, there's kind of lighter moments in there. Again, kind of like uh, David Lynch's stuff. Ah, yeah. David Lynch's stuff's really funny. Aye, there's, there's proper comedy in there aye, sometimes. you know, things and, like... And amongst all that dark. I think some of the best horror is like that anyway mm -hmm. because it kind of puts you off. It's the relief, like so you get so that something really yeah. harrowing has just happened, and then it's like, oh, but it's okay, you know. Life's and it pushes you back, well. in, and then but it, but but then it does some harrowing again. Exactly. So, so it's really smart. It's like dynamics and filmmaking. Yeah, and that was specifically with this film as well. That was something that the sound design did because at the start, when you first meet him and he goes and he meets the receptionist, and if you've never if you've never seen the film before and you don't really know what it's about, you just see this guy walking up to a receptionist and he's standing talking to her and she's being rude. But off to the side, you can hear all this screaming going on. Aye. Because they're dubbing one of the films with the screams. Yep. And he kind of reacts, he kind of looks round, he's like, what the yeah, fuck is happening you in there? don't know what it is. So you're hearing us, so there's kind of disturbing things with the sound throughout the film as well. While they're cutting the film, they'll be fading in eerie drones and things. Yep. And So that's supposed to be in the film that they're making in the film. But it's obviously playing out over stuff that's happening in the film that we're watching. Yep. And so that adds a sinister, weird undercurrent to what we're witnessing. Aye, it kind of sets you up as well where like initially when I started watching it your mind's thinking right what is this about and you're thinking is, I don't know about you but the first time I watched it I was thinking is this going to be actually a movie about people are actually getting really killed? Aye. You know what I mean? He doesn't realise that the thing he's doing the sound for is actually like a snuff movie or something like that. I thought right. that was kind of going to be the premise for it initially. Obviously it didn't play out like that. Yeah. But I, I thought the sound design, especially the screams, you know, there, were, there was a lot of distortion on them and stuff like that. And it was that in itself was quite jarring. Aye, there was a lot of manipulation of screams and, really jarring. and stuff like that. And the, um, lots of echo and just modulation and loads of things going on, Aye. which kind of I made it sound even more freaky and, and weird and uh, fucked uh, exactly and it, it, that was used more than the visual stuff to give you like a fright oh, aye, for sure the, 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 it was more and, about audio and rightly so because that is about sound you know aye. Kind of. and one level I think it's really smart normally they, in, a, in a quote unquote horror film I, I wouldn't really say this was a horror film per se 
It's, it's me, it's more like a mystery. Much the same as some of, of those Argento films. You know, they're hard to, aye, they're no straight up well, horror it's not, movies. It's not horror in the terms of like, oh, here comes Michael Myers with a big knife, you know. Aye, I suppose horror can. can it, 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 it's, aye, horror can be a lot of different things. A lot of different yeah. things, do you know what I mean? But, but aye, the, the sound. unsettling moments. In oh, it, aye. aye. There's quite a, I thought it was an interesting part as well where you see him stabbing the, the cabbage. Yep. And he's looking at the screen again. You don't see what he's watching, but he's kind of stabbing at this cabbage. And then he kind of, I think the cabbage, he's got it kind of on a stand sort of thing. Yeah. Right? And it comes off. So it kind of throws him off what he's supposed to be doing. And you can actually see, he plays it really well. You can see he's really not comfortable Aye. doing this. And actually that happens in a later on scene where he's supposed to be doing a part, which is in the films described the film that he's doing the sound for, it's a, a witch who's meant to be getting a, a steel bar inserted into her vagina. Yeah. And he is not yeah, fucking comfortable. That's what it is. Because he's supposed to be doing the sizzling sounds yep. of the and, flesh. And he, yeah. he, he keeps missing his cue. But you have that image then in your head. You don't see, yeah. but you know he's having to look at that happening on a screen. Yeah, and then the producer guy... Uh, Francesco Coraggio, he he comes in, he's like, "What are you doing? You just do this. You, you, like you're you're making this stuff, so how how can you not disconnect from it?" Aye, that's and then it. He comes in, he makes the sound, and that obviously this in your head, you've already got the image, and then the sound comes, and you're yep. like, oh, "You yeah. can imagine it." So yeah. it, it, there's a lot of technical stuff in this. Yeah, absolutely. Do I think it works as a film? If I was brutally honest, I don't know if I'd ever watch it again, man. Yeah. I think it was one of those things. It was a little bit style over substance for me. I, you know what I mean? Styles get just I mean just to give a shout out to some of the kind of technical people involved. So the cinematographer was Nicholas D. Nolan and I thought he did a cracking job. He did, like it, it looked, it looked the, fucking the fantastic. Cinematography was brilliant. Chris Dickens was the editor, and again I, I thought the editing in it was great. Yep. The sound team it's amazing. The sound team consisted of thirty-three people. It shows because it's so, it's the star of for me that's the star of the film, man. Yeah, the, the sound is great. So the Bowen brothers did the sound effects recording. I'm not going to go through them all. Andy Botham was the re-recording engineer. He, so we've got Doug Cooper was a record mixer so he would have brought that all together he was right. the kind of top guy that mixed it all mix assistant Matt Davies we also have more sound effects recordings uh, I'm not even going to try and pronounce that name I think Gabor Erdiel Ooft yeah um, so I, I love so, it's Scrabble like dialogue editors sound effects editors sound, record, sound effects recorders a big sound team on but it's essentially I don't think it's, it's not a massive film aye you would expect that kind of sound team on like your bigger budgeted films Absolutely. not not something as small as this but obviously the sound was such an important part to it uh, it was and like I, a third character it was like a character yeah, in the movie yeah and I think they I mean? nailed the, the, they show you how you would have went about recording sound effects for a horror film back see, then see that, that the fruit and the that's what I really enjoyed stuff, actually yeah. that that part of it I really because you know the first maybe half of the film I was like I'm, I'm enjoying this because it was yeah. really smart because that's never really been shown it probably has been shown but to Aye. what degree I don't well, know I mean, in another movie not, but not about that not any films out there that are about that side of film absolutely the the, the, the other one that pops to mind is Blowout uh, the Randy Palmer film from the 70s starring John Travolta I've not seen that oh no I have seen that he plays a location sound recordist in that that's right Um, that's a cracking film as well that is a good movie is there a car crash or something there is there's a car crash happens in it but within it there's a conspiracy about how the car crashed and it turns out there was a Spoilers, guys. Turns out there was a gunshot. It, it wasn't an accident. Right. 
and there's like sinister people after chasing Tom, uh, that is a good movie I've John Travolta I've seen, seen that about five six years it's ago it's cracking film uh, it and again not about sound but sound is an integral part of it absolutely there's loads of stuff in it where they're recording sound effects and stuff and like isolating sounds to see mm-hmm. what they can find in that and again in this like sound is, is the like you said it's the star it's like a character the film, in the yeah. film it's the, it's the scare factor it's the yeah, thing totally. that's, that's definitely put in there I quite like the two Foley artist guys they, they never speak so Aye, they were really good. And stuff and Aye, the guy with the beard. They're just kind of there doing it. The, the Massimo brothers, they were called. Aye, they, 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 they look... They're kind of comical looking. They're, they're comical looking. Yeah. I don't know, there was a lot of reference. I don't know if you not noticed this well, but there's something symbolic about there's It keeps going back to like rotten fruit. Yeah. Did you notice that? Aye. So I don't know if that's maybe a... Some kind of metaphor, metaphor about from the, the waste of... Or, or maybe the, his, his mental health deteriorating or something he, he, like that. He does deteriorate physically as well. Like he starts he gets to become dishevelled and stuff as it goes on because he's quite well dressed and stuff at, at the, the beginning. Start. And then towards the end, he's like he's he doesn't bother wearing a shirt, right? wearing a tie or in, and his shirt's right. kind of lying open. He's not doing his hair or in. Like he just looks like a mess, like he is unraveling yeah, yeah. sort of thing. There was only really kind of one. Well, I'm saying one horror part in it, but blatantly horror part was within the part where he's sleeping. Mm. And it's the room's black, oh, and then yeah. it, it start. You start to see there's a woman. Which I, actually, I actually thought that was really creepy. Yeah. She's standing with a knife. That's the the new lady that replaces uh, Sylvia. Was that who that uh, was? Yeah. So, so he hasn't even met her yet. And the no, I think he. She, I think she's just come into it at that point. That's she? right, because they do like a kind of audition, if you like, and, uh, the, yeah. and that's another interesting part. Going back to the kind of whole exploitation of the women, they recast the original actress that was doing the voiceover with obviously another woman, but the director picks the woman solely on how she looks. Yeah, and it's and in the film. It's I, just the voice. Absolutely. Really so yeah. it's just an afterthought yeah, that yeah. she's going to because after it, he says. Something about uh, like she would give the dog a hard on or something yeah, horrible. Yeah, yeah. Something that's really exactly what he says. Something yeah. really horrible like that. Yeah. And so that's playing into that whole part as well. That it's it's really taking a jab at you know how fucked up the film industry is. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm not saying everybody in the film industry is like that, but no, obviously I mean, you know, we've all heard the stories. And then, oh, like, the, the biggest one obviously being Weinstein, Weinstein recently. Aye. I can only imagine how bad it might have been back in the seventies as well. Oh, because you know? back then there was no internet. You yeah, know, people, people yeah. didn't have a platform to basically you know speak about mm. these things. For me, it was works more on that level right. than it does on the dream thing. For me, it's like two contrasting things. One's almost based in, well, definitely based in reality about the exploitation of women yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. But then there's this Gildroy, his character, and then there's that part. Re- I mean, I would have just liked a little bit more, I don't know, I'd have, I'd have liked it to have had a bit more substance in the story in that respect because I get the exploitation of women yeah. part of the story and I think that's really fucking smart. Mm-hmm. But I don't see how he and that fit together. I'm not sure that they have to. But is, again, is that no kind of the point of it though? He's the, the outsider, you know. He's, aye, like he's, he's separate for us because he, he seems kind of. Uh, aye, is he playing like almost? He's like the innocent side of the the film industry. I don't know if I'm looking maybe, too far maybe, into that. Maybe. And he's working with the Italian directors who's shown the corrupt side. It's almost like two And then two they're, sides. they're kind of corrupting him a wee bit because that's right. he, he can't handle it. And so he's, he starts losing, that's why he starts losing the plot. Aye. There's a point in the film as well. Gildroy's actually quite tame up to a point in the mm. film. But when he speaks to the, the first act, just the one that ends up getting basically, she basically walks out because of the, the sexual harassment. Oh, Sylvia. Sylvia. That's right. So obviously she has a conversation with Gildroy and she says look you need to be more forceful with these folk you can't let them fuck you over you need to basically go in and, and tell them this is what I want he says being a nice guy yeah. isn't going to work and then almost the, the next scene 
he charges right up, grabs the phone from the receptionist that's basically been an asshole yeah. for the entire film so far, grabs the phone and gets onto the phone and that's when he demands to get his money back for these flights and then you find out that the... They tell, the, they tell him we looked into it and the flight, there was never no happened. flights on that day. Aye. Aye. That's never really explained. Aye. Aye. I think you're just kind of left to decide for yourself what that's all about. Aye. And again, is it just them just fucking him over? They're just like, or there isn't a flight. It's almost like a play on his conscious self starting to kind of bleed into the dream. If you like, do you know what I mean? It's you know that way. Sometimes when you're in a dream, when you realise you're in a dream, Mm -hmm. and then you almost you wake up. Yeah, you wake yourself up. You wake yourself up. So I think I don't know. I'm maybe looking too much in it, but it's almost like that part. You know, it's like the the dream part is the you're there to do the sound for the film, but then when you actually confront that issue in the film, you get a well you weren't here you know what I mean Aye. and it's like that would be the, the, the conscious part kind of a David Lynch kind of thing like oh you were never really here or sort of Aye, thing, exactly you know? and Shining as well yeah, you know Shining. Aye, so it's that kind of thing I, I don't know maybe that, make it too just, convoluted just kind of play on that as well like another thing I thought that might be happening in the film is that he is dead and right. this is his purgatory right okay so he, he's just kind of there having to work on this horrible film Forever. Forever. And then obviously at the end, the, the tunnel opens and the light comes and it, the light kind of envelops him and takes Envelope. him away. I Who don't, knows? I don't know if that is what it is, but it was just, while I was sitting watching it for the third time today, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe it could be something like that. If it's not a dream, maybe it's his purgatory. Well, I actually think, but this is more interesting. See, actually speaking to you about it, it's turning mm. out more interesting. Watching it in isolation, you're like, what the fuck? Aye. But then once you start kind talking of about it, you're getting it, like, so your take on stuff and all that. Ah, that could be. It could be he's dying and that's just where he's stuck. But then you're thinking if that is his purgatory, then what the fuck has he done to deserve that? Because he, <laughs> he set up as a really nice guy in the, yeah. in the movie and stuff like that. And there's that whole, he keeps receiving letters from his mum. His mum, yeah. And they start off really nice and it's like, oh, the chicks that have been born yeah. next to the, the place that you were saying that he works in is like a little hut sort of thing that he does sound when he's back home. And then progressively the letters keep coming, they keep getting darker till eventually she sends him a letter saying that the magpies have went in and, and totally ripped the, yep. the little birds to shreds and stuff like that. was that part as well, which I thought was really fucking yeah. dizzy. It was it was it was just like what the fuck is happening here, man? It, I couldn't I couldn't actually grip on a anything Aye, what the thread of the story was no uh, really really difficult there's something weird with spiders as well you know he keeps finding them spiders Aye. in his apartment and, and throwing them out and Aye. It's, but it's those kind of spindly leg spiders the kind know. of harvestman sort, yeah, of, sort of things he, he, he finds a few of them in there and I'm like what yeah. the fuck but then they also help those transitions I was talking about so he'd throw it out the window and it would land but then we're in the studio and he's, he's doing some work in the studio there's also yeah. a really confusing part in that as well well you know the bit where there's a part where he wakes up in his bedroom and you assume that he's in a bed and breakfast or a hotel or something like that but when he comes out his bedroom leads straight into the studio Aye. and I'm thinking has he got a room no I don't, I don't think in so in the studio That's, I See, think that, that was just one of those weird transitions where one minute you're in right. the flat and then there's no how does he get to the studio he just is there it's got to, I think this has got to be a dream man mm. I, I, the more it's we talk about stuff it like that, that's, it's when I started noticing those cuts because there's another one where he, he opens a cupboard door so it's always a cupboard door. It's a cupboard door in his room. He, he opens that cupboard door, but we see it's a profile angle on him, and we see the door. And then when he closes the door, he's in the studio again. Yeah. Just going back to that, the editing in this was like, it was great. I thought it was brilliant. Like the editing was really clever, those transitions and stuff, like to get you from his apartment into the, the studio. It wasn't just like a hard cut. There was always some kind of kind of thread line. Yeah, there was something like you'd be, you would see something, you'd think you're seeing one thing, and then it would twist, and you would be in the studio and 
Aye. You're seeing something totally different. Aye. So yeah. I, I love I loved all that stuff about it. I think on a on a tec- on a technical standpoint, this film's fucking excellent. Like the production design was cracking as well, like all the old machinery uh, and stuff. Aye, like all the old uh, tape machines and compressors yep. and like yeah, the big old desk that they had there and stuff and all the old microphones and yep. things like uh, props to the production designer for the work they did on that and like actually building something that looked like a kind of old dubbing theatre from the 70s yeah the lighting uh, everything about it and it was very claustrophobic this yeah, whole movie man because there's very no dark. shots outside right. yeah it's all, in, it's all interiors all interior yep. the only part where I thought f- when I watched it again was the part I thought when you, you see him and he's putting his feet on um, leaves yeah and but you're, that you're turned, fooled into thinking thinking he's outside yeah, but he isn't he's actually in yep. the sound studio and again that's the sound thing like how sound plays with your mind and makes you think one thing aye and it's something and it's completely cause, different because he goes that again that, that's a transition again where he opens a door and you think he goes outside through that door aye that's that's right and you, and then the, you see you the, the leaves, leaves and you hear the crickets and you're like oh he's outside but then he's not he's, standing, he's actually in the studio he's in a, a walking pit that's full of leaves and twigs and stuff right aye yeah. well, there you go that yeah. was the only point where you think that he's outside yeah. So there's no outside shots. It's really claustrophobic. The whole movie. Yeah. It, it's, there's no real. There's, there's no big shots in it. No yeah. wide shots. There's no need for it. It's there's all that indoors. One bit where it, oh, there's the, that the, weird the, part. The, what the, the fuck? The it's like a documentary. Melts, the film all melts and stuff. Right, and it comes up as a documentary. Right, what the fuck <laughs> is that about, man? And it's like a documentary about a place called Box Hill in England. That um, was the relevance well, there. I think that was where he was from, and that was him just because that's the type of things he usually worked on it was it kind of bled in that was him kind of being a comfort thing a comfort thing yeah thinking of being home in Box Hill because that uh, that's a good point actually because at that point in the movie I think it's just when he gets attacked with a knife in bed yeah and that's when it all goes weird and they start speaking Italian as well like yep that's right that bit's really fucking bizarre but that makes sense that does make sense it's like his mind's maybe went to something that he's familiar with because it became too much for him to take Yep. And because at that point as well, before the it breaks to the documentary about Box Hill, the the screen you know does that the old fashioned kind of melting yeah the film the melts, film melts and, and stuff like jars that. and jars and stuff and the sound goes all mad at that point and at that well. point the movie flips and it's almost like he's in, he's the, in the you're you're, you're watching yeah. the film now yeah that, that sounds bizarre he's, he's watching the film that he's working on aye because it's it, about him. Aye, it's so fu- it's so fucking hard. Because they replay the scene at the start when he first arrives and goes and meets uh, the producer. That's right. And he sits him down to watch the film, and they, they replay that whole thing with the, the smashing of the watermelons with the Massimo brothers and that. And that's they, right. It's, aye, aye, it's fucking it's 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 a smart movie. It's maybe it's maybe a wee bit too smart for me. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I'm just fucking stupid or whatever. I'm just an idiot, Joe. That's it, man. Um, but I mean, I've, I've, I've thought we've come up with pretty, some pretty decent theories and what it could possibly be about. It's yeah. something completely but fucking I mean, different, I, do you know I, what I mean? I like films like this that you can get a conversation like this out of. Absolutely. Know, where it's not immediately obvious what, what is the exactly. film's about and what's going on. Aye. You, know, you can kind of take your own interpretation of it. Because even like, I've not really spoken like this about the film with other people. But having watched it now and knowing that I was going to talk to you, that, that's where all that, so what is this film about? Stuff came from, is it, is it a dream, is it purgatory? And all that. That's good so that you came, came to your, they yeah, came a similar thing as me do you know what I mean I mean there was the cuts the weird cuts the disorientating part you know that you, that's kind of mm. you think right dream and obviously the death part with the the end you know you yep. see the light and it gets bigger and stuff like that on the screen that leads to me believe that I like you say it might be the kind of transitioning from dying to being dead yeah that so it's this like like you, like you say almost like kind of purgatory sort of thing yep. it kind of leads you to think like i said earlier it's like you know why is this poor bastard having to <laughs> having to fucking endure this shit do you know what i mean but again that's cool in itself because who's to say if you're a good person that 
if you do die and there is something something yeah, else then it's going to be good because who, who, who says that you know <laughs> living a good life you 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 get rewarded at the end that you might not you might yep. just get fucked with some horrible hellscape mm. you know what I mean so <laughs> who knows so what, what was your star rating on this one right let me think right now that I've actually spoke about it with you I think it's probably ranking a little bit higher which is unusual because you think I'd probably just be like you know but I think I've, I've got maybe a wee bit more of a grasp of what it could have been about it's not good enough to be a three for me I'd probably say it's like a 2.5 or something like that man right, okay. but, but I do not think it's a bad film yep. by any stretch of imagination and I think it's quite an interesting exercise in subplots sort of thing. no subplots but you know that kind of it's almost like sublim- there's a lot of subliminal type things uh, in so it nothing's obvious the, the, do you know what I mean the main, the main story isn't about Toby Jones's character Gilderoy it's about the, the, the women in the film absolutely is that, is that what you're saying aye that's what I'm trying so to you say you think it's about Gilderoy but, it but actually it's actually isn't he's, he's almost like a, he's almost Almost like the side story, yeah, and the real nitty gritty. Even though we're seeing it for his perspective, exactly, and the real nitty gritty of the story for me kind of is about the exploitation of women mm. and him witnessing it. But I mean, aye, definitely an interesting film. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it that absolutely, man. I've, I've had a kind of funny experience with this. So I saw the film in the cinema when it came All out. Right. So that, that well, was, got a cinema release, right? Aye. Okay. So that was ten years ago, right. twenty twelve. The film came out. So I saw it then. I didn't see it again until we were going to do it now when I saw it back then I loved it right I, I remember really loving it and I don't know if that was maybe just because of my involvement with sound and I was just kind of like see, into the sound stuff see that was what I was saying to Barbara because she was like just typical Scott that's him being a, a sound man I was like well aye <laughs> makes but, sense so that and then I watched it beginning of this week and I was kind of not enjoying it right I, I don't know if I was just tired because I'd been working all I'd been working all day and it was a long day and I put it on I was like I need to watch this Ah, it's because a bit of a chore rather gonna, than... Aye, because we're going to talk about it. Ah, of course. But then I watched it again today, right. and I was kind of into it again. Aye, because your, mood, kinda, your, your yeah. mood can so totally your mood change. So how you perceive a film. Absolutely, absolutely. So I would give it a three. Right, I, th- I think okay. it's I think it's a solid three, you know, it's... Right, okay. Like we've just discussed, there's enough there to keep your interest, and there's all the, the stuff with all the sound in that, obviously being, aye. being, being into sound, um, that, oh, that kind of drew me in. I know what you mean about the story, there's not like a... It doesn't feel like there's a standard story structure there with, that you can follow. There's not, a, aye, there's, there's not, there's not a narrative, you know. It's aye, and there's not enough about the characters aye, for aye. you to really invest, really invest in it, this, yeah. to invest in the quote unquote story, if you like. Do you know what I you mean? You just take them as they are, where, where they are. You don't get, don't really get any background on them, really. Not at yeah, all. Him included, like you just know that he's. He's meant to be good at what he does. Well, is he though? You don't. There's another point in the film where they kind of reference that, anyways. No, well, the somebody Santini, the director, absolutely loves him, or at least he gives the impression that he absolutely loves loves his work. Yeah, but Caraggio is like. There's one point to him. I think he says something like, "Oh, you're meant to be hot shit." That's right. I think he's been a bit. He's been a condescending. But even when Santini, the director, is saying to him that, "Oh, you're amazing," I got the impression that maybe isn't he actually amazing, and maybe they just got him cheap or something. Aye, because there's that whole point as well where they say to him, basically, you know, you should be fucking happy that you're here and doing ah, this yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. 
Do you know what I mean? You should so be happy just to be here. You should be happy right. just to be here. So that's an interesting thing as well. Is he yeah. maybe maybe uh, imagining so that, he's really good in actual yeah. fact? It's like a kind of an, an argument with himself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He, as, as he, he isn't actually as good as what he thinks he uh, is. If we or, take on face values being in reality and not a dream, uh, is, is he there because he's shy at his job and he's had to travel? He's had to take this job, and that's why they keep not wanting to pay him. Aye, aye, aye basically, he's rubbish. And so you should be happy again. Yeah. That's, that could play into the whole exploit. They're exploiting him, as exploiting well. him as well. Do yeah. you know what I mean? So that's interesting. Actually, mm. now that you mention it, so yeah. it could work in it could work in different levels. But um, aye, interesting. Yeah, definitely. Inter- and I would have never a it's never a film I would have thought to to watch. Right. Do you know what I mean? Kind of the point of the podcast is to, to watch see stuff shit that you might not have seen. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> Funnily enough, aye. So uh, aye, thanks for listening. Cheers, man. Catch you next time. See you later.